Longhorn Notebook. A Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. Okay, uh, we just uh, broadcast the news conference. How about uh, your take on it, your thoughts uh, on uh, the recap of the head, head coach's news conference? I, and I don't I do not do this to you know, toot my own horn or anything, but I usually go with the question I ask because that's what's top of sure. mind for me going into the press conference. I, I, I thought the three guys he mentioned when I asked about leaders because, look, you're not going to replace Roshan Johnson as a leader. You can't replace him. You know, guys have to be themselves. And, and, and similar to what Sark talked about with Jonathan Brooks, hey, it doesn't have to be Bijan or Roshan. Just do you, uh, you know, try not to do too much, and, and you'll be all right. He's proven he can make plays with the ball in his hands. But I thought the three guys he mentioned, and it's much easier, Craig, to be a leader when you produce. And I think those three guys, Tavondre Sweat, Jatavian Sanders and Jalen Ford, the fact that they had to, they produced, and now it's just naturally time for them to step into those leadership roles. And then you look at those guys in their position groups. I mean, JT's, it's a relatively inexperienced tight end group anyway, but he's kind of been the, the lead dog in that group. With Keandre Coburn and Moro Ojimo moving on, Tavondre Sweat, it's his turn to, to sit at the head of the table. And Jalen Ford's already had to make that transition during the bowl practices with DeMarvin Overson opting out. So you need to – I think it's really important. You go back to what's made this team a successful group. Uh, and, again, you can – it's up to debate. Do you think 8-4 and four is a good year or whatever, or whatever the final record ends up being? Uh, but I think where you really go to, PK mentioned it. Uh, PK mentioned it in this press conference the other day. I know Kyle Flood talked about it yesterday. When they got back to work in January for the winter workouts, coming off a of five and seven season, that's where a lot of the, the you know the culture and, and the camaraderie and the leadership. That's where a lot of that started to develop. The roots of it were in winter conditioning. So to know who you can count on as a leader, this coaching staff can count on. That's huge when they get back in January. Yeah, no, no question about that. Uh, and uh, and as we mentioned earlier, of course, uh, Longhorn basketball with the win uh, last night behind Marcus Carr's career high tying forty one. He actually scored forty one in a game for Minnesota when he played a, a couple of seasons ago. So he tied his career high in total points scored, and then tied the UT records of eight three-pointers. Actually, that was a, a solo record. Eight three-pointers and a half. There were several Longhorns who had the A.J. Abrams was on it like five times, yeah. I think, on that list of having six three-pointers and McNeil. a half. McNeil. Uh, yeah, there you go. Booby uh, Gibson was on there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so you had that. And then, uh, and then of course, uh, the ten three-pointers tied the record to Alcoma. You know, in, and the uh, 41 points, as you pointed out, the, the most scored by a Longhorn in a home game since Reggie Freeman had uh, had 43 against Fresno State uh, back in 96. Um, it, it was funny. You, you brought up uh, last hour, Jeff, the, about the fact about some of these old names coming up, like Jim Krivax, who had 33-and-a-half, and he tied that record with 33-and-a-half. Krivax got his in the second half of that game, uh, of his game. And uh, we, we were mentioning that the all-time – Scoring record was 49, uh, shared by Raymond Downs in 1956 and Slater Martin in 1949. So there were there were those um, there were those uh, marks as well. Well, in going down that memory lane and and uh, di- digging up those names, mm-hmm. uh, it also brought about some memories from Eddie Orn, who of course was around a lot of that stuff and 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 talked about a lot of those those games. And one of the things that uh, that uh, Eddie mentioned was he remembers a game in Waco where B.J. Tyler had 29 points in the first half. and uh, Or had 20, I think he had, yeah, he had 29 in the first half. They get to halftime, and he said, Tom Penderson, go for 50. Go for 50. 
And B.J. did not score a point in the second half. <laughs> he wound up with 29. He had 29 at the half, and he wound up with 29. But he remembers some things like that back then. It's funny. Hey, can I go back to football? Mark was asked during the press conference kind of what's at stake tomorrow. Yeah. And he mentioned not, uh, getting a, you know finishing off a nine-win season. You realize since the 2009 season that ended with the loss to Alabama and Pasadena, Texas only won, had two nine-win seasons. One was here. 2012. Yeah, the win over Oregon State. And then the Sugar Bowl year. Yeah, yeah. Winning so, nine in the regular season and, and getting a tenth one in the bowl game. Yeah, yeah. So it's they've been few and far between yeah. after we got used to, what was it, ten straight nine-win seasons? Yeah, which one of the one of the true golden eras of Texas football yeah. that, 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 that we've seen. Certainly the golden era in my lifetime. Yep, absolutely. I think uh, Man, mine as well. It just, it just reminds you, Craig, how long of a road this has been. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is this since since that since that 2012 Alamo Bowl has been what? Sarker's, what, the fourth fourth head coach? Mac, Charlie, Tom. Yeah, fourth head coach this program has had. So it's been a long road. Which is why, and I've said this all along, and I'll say it one more time here before this game, that I understand completely uh, the angst, the frustration, uh, the long-suffering nature that Longhorn fans have had to deal with and endure because of what has happened in the decade since. I, I, I get all that. Um, having said that, anybody that's around this program can see that he's building something. But because there's been so much PTSD for uh, for Longhorn <laughs> fans over the past decade, I also get that. I also understand uh, the cynicism or the doubt or the or the skepticism, uh, the the dubious nature of show me what you can do now. We've seen hope of this before. We we saw hope of this when they won the Sugar Bowl. That that sort of it it, it all makes sense. It's all understandable. Uh, but as we pointed out, Sark doesn't have anything to do with that. Right. His his task and his charge now is to get it to how it was in those glory years that you talked about, those golden years. Yeah. And and any win tomorrow night would be a step toward that direction. A loss, by the same token, I don't think derails any of that stuff, given because the team that will take the field tomorrow night is not the same team that played the balance of the regular season. We know that. Yeah. With 2,500 uh, yards of rushing that won't be out there tomorrow, that was there between Bijan and Roshan. We know that. We know that, uh, you know, with no DeMar even over, it doesn't mean the team can't win the game, and it doesn't mean that they certainly aren't capable of it. It's just, it'll be different. And, and if they win, it's a nice end to it. Uh, if they don't, it was a bowl game that happened after a turning point season of, of eight wins during the course of the year to try to get this whole thing flipped yeah I, what, what you just said i've said that about the two previous head coaches like charlie strong didn't break it but it was he was hired to fix it and tom herman didn't break it but he was hired to fix it and sark didn't break it but he was hired to fix it mm-hmm. um that's just the nature of the beast what i like about what sark is doing is you can see the vision of of, of and I think that's the big part, Craig, of fixing it, is identifying the problems mm-hmm. as early as possible. And we know Sark was late to identify some of these problems. I think, like, leadership was one of them last year. He we, said it. We he talked about that. Admission. talked about that time and again. But it's identifying the problems and how quickly can you get those problems fixed. Like, you know, I know we talk about talent acquisition a lot, but he realized, hey, you need to be bigger, deeper, and more talented on the offensive line. And sure. they've addressed that in, in two recruiting cycles. Now, uh, they've got, you know, they've got a really good quarterback pipeline going. Quinn Ewers is on campus now. Arch Manning gets here in January. And then we've seen player development. Like, guys are getting better. Like, whether it's Jalen Ford or Jaday Barron, 
Kelvin Banks throughout the year. Anthony J- Cook. Jatavian Sanders. I mean, you mm-hmm. see guys from point A in camp to where they are now. Yep. You can look at a lot. You couldn't say that last year about a ton of guys, but now you look at this roster and say, yes, player X is better. And I'm not just talking about Xavier Worthy, but player X is better now than he was at the start of camp or even back in spring ball. There's some things to keep in mind. Jeff and I will be back to wrap it up to today's edition of, of uh, Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049-1019, AM 1260, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and in Horn FM.